Well, now I'm sitting here and I'm scratching my head. I got a very provocative text. And then I got ghosted when I asked a couple of questions. But believe it or not, I got your phone number. And if I really want to find out bad enough, I can find out. So think about that. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Islam is on the verge of completely taking over Europe in every way. At least according to Hans-George Maden, he is the Germany's top domestic intelligence chief. Uh, he was he held that office from 2012 to 2018. And he has been stressing several points that spell the imminent downfall of Europe to Islam. And they've, they've been going, uh, there, there's been a demographic shift over the uh, last little bit. And this is largely in part due to the fact that we paid so much to defend them for so long. In 1990, the number of Muslims in Europe overall was 29.6 million. In, in 2010, it was 44.1 million. Their Muslim population is projected to exceed 58 million by 2030. Clearly, 58 million in five is more significant than 76 million in 25 years' time. And not only is this responsible for their exponential growth in Europe, but once there, the average Muslim woman has significantly more children than the average European woman. And the biggest name in Western Europe being given to newborn babies today is Mohammed. In this interview, Mr. Mobbin said that these large numbers are intentional and the work of the European ruling elite. Read that to mean the European Union guys and the World Economic Forum guys. And the Great Replacement Theory, as he puts it, which we've heard this before, that's not a myth. The more ideologically mixed a population is forced into becoming, the less likely it is able to identify itself and then you lose culture. You lose culture. He said, our politicians want a different population. Political left follows the course of the anti-German ideology. The more heterogeneous a population, the less able it is to articulate itself and have a democratic say. The more politics accept immigrants from other countries as they see fit and grants them citizenship, the more politics select the people of the state and influence the election results. These migrants then vote differently than the locals. He also pointed out how easy it would be for European gov governments like Germany and Austria to prevent Muslim migrants from entering their borders and how easy it would be to send the many criminal ones that have already gained entry back to their countries of origin, but they're not doing it. They recently uh, cited a recent migration summit in Germany where he saw only showcase politics or dummy politics focused on how to raise more money for asylum seekers and faster asylum procedures. And nobody, he said, seemed interested in asking the all-important question, why are, we, why are we letting these people into Germany and Europe in the first place? And that's especially urgent considering the, that every European city and region that has a significant migrant presence has become a hellscape with a bunch of violence and criminal activity. If you can go back to 2017, there was an article 
Austrians living in fear as violent migrant gangs carry out daily attacks in Vienna. Muggings and beatings are becoming commonplace in the historic capital city, with passersby being attacked on almost a daily basis. The Praterstern area just outside central Vienna is now controlled by North Africans and is considered the worst area in the city for crime. Despite police increasing their presence in the area, it, became riddled, it has become riddled with crime. On the other side of the city, the area surrounding the rest railway station has been taken over by Afghans, who have been making headlines for all the wrong reasons. Crimes carried out by migrants in Austria have risen rapidly over the past years. More arrive in the country. Last year, 2016, there was a total of 22,000 criminal complaints against migrants, up from 14,000 in 2015. Sex attacks carried out by asylum seekers has become a serious problem in Austria, with a 133% increase in migrant sex attacks in the past year since the migrant crisis erupted. Swimming pools and the other public venues have become some of the most prevalent areas for attacks to take place. How enlightened can you be? <laughs> and, uh, you know, sex crimes, including against young boys, has skyrocketed in Austria. According to one report, hardly a day goes by without reports of sex attacks at the hands of migrants. And along with imposing migration, European politicians have, you know, they're, they're doing what they can to empower Islam in Europe to the detriment of the natives. So, Free speech is all but gone in Ireland after the Irish rose in anger following yet another unprovoked assault by a Muslim, the stabbing of three small children, and in Denmark, which long welcomed the mockery of Christianity under the guise of freedom of expression, you can't mock Islam. Now, one of the reasons you can't mock Islam is you might have another Charlie Hebdo. Because unlike the Protestants, for example, if you get out there and you say something bad about uh, about Islam, then you better be pretty good at close quarter combat. Because they'll be coming for you. They'll be coming for you. Uh, Solomon Rushdie, he got stabbed in the eye the other day. He walks around with an eye patch now. It looks like a pirate. And that's off of the uh, Satanic Verses book that he wrote decades ago. They're like Terminators. They never let it go. So if you're going to do something like that and you're going to allow them to be on your left, on your right, in front, and behind you, you had better be pretty good at close quarter combat. And uh, Europe is going to succumb to this simply because they want to. See, the Europeans who look at us and they say, oh, those Americans, they have guns, they have this, they have that. You know, they're incapable of looking at something that is violent and figuring out how to deal with it. Now, Mr. Mobbin says that the uh, Islam is a completely different culture that no one is really prepared for. And he stressed that we're incapable of resolving conflicts even by means of violence like family clans do from the Arab states. These people resolve conflicts by violence, whereas people in Central Europe think this can only be done through the courts. And that's an important point. We see this here, right? We see this here. Every time, every time Biden does something, everybody says, well, I'll see you in court. And then we go off to court. But every time, you know, every time Donald Trump gets elected, they set blocks on fire and all this other stuff, sort of like the Islamics do. They go violence. 
See, it's one thing to get out there and want to live in a society with a rule of law. That's the difference between civilization and being a barbarian. But the illusion of a rule of law means one half of us think we live the right way and the other half of us know we don't. And the other half of us that know we don't know that the, the ones that are waiting on us, we're just showing them our necks. So there is no rule of law. There is no rule of law. Europe needs to do what we need to do, which is we need to go start rounding these guys up. We need to close the border, round them up, put them out, make sure that they're not just on the other side of the fence, but take them on a nice festive little cruise all the way down the uh, the peninsula there and uh, drop them off on the southern border of Mexico and then come back. And then we can start looking at what we could do to for our naturalization process. But until we get to that point, until we say to ourselves, we will decide who can and cannot come into our country and everybody else is being, you know, the invasion by invitation is just the way things are going. This is the way it's going to be. And the end result, as it's going to be in Europe, would be is the gradual destruction of Western culture. When we get back, we're going to take a look at Agenda 2030 in a little bit deeper detail. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I sure am glad that the UN is watching out for me. I am so happy about this. Yeah, GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. They start out. Uh, they start out with a uh, paragraph. They, they have a ninety. It's ninety one sections. Their formal plan for creation of a new world government. But it says this, the agenda is a plan of action for people, planet, and prosperity. It also seeks to strengthen universal peace in larger freedom. We recognize that eradicating poverty in all of its forms and dimensions, including extreme poverty, is the greatest global challenge and an indispensable requirement for sustainable development. All countries and all stakeholders acting in collaborative partnership will implement this plan. We resolve to free the human race from the tyranny of poverty and want to heal and secure our planet. All it needs to complete the salad that it is is some dressing and a bowl. That's a bunch of cliche-ridden nonsense. The UN wants to have a world government devoid of the concepts of right, liberty, life, and happiness. And the Marxist ideal of meeting needs and the globalist ideal of sustainability combine as the two dominant themes of this agenda, which should actually be called a diabolical master plan. Dr. Evil heads the UN, I guess. What about the need to obey the Ten Commandments to find favor with God? What about that? What about the need to stop two-bit criminals in various corrupt nations from taking food out of the mouths of children? and misusing funds provided by international agencies for personal gain. 
They seek to strengthen universal peace in larger freedom. Um, what in the name of God does that mean? Universal peace in larger freedom. In in the old Eastern European nations, when they were all under the Soviet, you know, when they were all communist satellites, uh, living under communism meant there was no freedom of choice regarding your job, housing, education, whatever you could buy. But you could walk through the park at night without any fear of being robbed. Because they were a police state, and the chance of being mugged was less than that in New York City today. See, and, and this is the way they've set this up, okay? Understand this. So when you got like an Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, and he got out there and he decriminalized all this other stuff, that was all done, all of that was done to facilitate this idea that freedom means that you're going to be robbed and beaten and killed. That's what freedom means. So you need to give over all of your freedoms to us, and we'll take care of you and rub your little stupid head, and we'll make sure we have everything you, quote, need, close quote. If taking that into, in, in, into consideration, it would seem that peace, at least regarding crime, was enhanced by less freedom, not more. Under Hitler, Germans experienced less of the destruction of their buying power, which is a partial measure of freedom caused by inflation under Weimar, but at the expense of putting the country on a war footing and mobilizing to murder millions of Jews and gypsies and Slavs and political dis dissidents, and even their own people if they were not pure. So, they're, they're uh, you know, they're, their goal is to eradicate poverty and an other undefined evil of poverty, which it designates as extreme poverty. And that was a term used more frequently a few decades ago by economists referring to third world countries as LDCs or LDDCs, less developed countries or less developed developing countries. But the new term LDC is used exclusively and they list uh, 45 countries, only one of which, Haiti, is not located in Africa or Asia. And their poverty is stated to be the gl greatest global challenge. But the greater global challenge is this attempt by the UN and the globalists and the communists and the Islamists to destroy Western civilization. And the other side of that coin, the Judeo-Christian value set that we have that was essential to building the civilization in the first place. This is them attempting fragmentation and tribalism. Because that's what you see in these cultures in Asia and Africa. And they are more extensive than in the West, and that is partially why the global fanatics behind the UN Agenda 2030, admitting at the same time that, you know, the U.S. has signed off on this nonsense. They're trying to reproduce tribalism and disunity in our country and into European countries with out-of-control immigration from Asia and Africa, and in the case of the U.S., from Central and South America. So, if you look at it in that, in that light, then the whole statement in text begins to get a little more focused. Chaos breeds that statement, which starts to appear to be less informed as reasonable, at least, right? 
Jesus Christ said, the poor you always have with you. Now, that's not anything against the poor, right? But it is to point out the following, that following and serving God is not to be equated in a one-to-one way with helping the poor. There's more to that virtuous life than taking care of the poor. And that is a truth, eternal truth. But they're not only putting too much emphasis on the third world poor, but this corrupt and false document, it's not going to better the life of the poor, even as it claims that is their goal. And they write about the tyranny of poverty. But what does Agenda 2030 have to say about corrupt leaders of those 45 countries who are practically stealing food and water out of the mouths of their people, who are only too glad to come with delegations from these countries and enjoy the amenities of living in New York City with the cocktail parties and the hors d'oeuvres and toilets that flush with water and refrigerators and convenient public transportation, taxis and iPads all over the place? Is it possible that Agenda 2030 is just about greed and mendacity? Especially for those less developed countries' leaders who are seeking to feed their greed even more than they already do with the UN and the West's largesse in providing that support, which is actually a bribe, to you know through the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. We have a constitution. We have a Bill of Rights. We need no other documents. We are the class on the rock. We are still the best nation on the planet, no matter what anybody says. Uh, we have had, we, we haven't been perfect the whole time, but we have learned with it and we have learned through it and we have come through it and we continue to evolve with it. And uh, even as we become more and more authoritarian, we are still in a position as we're seeing, because people are beginning to push back now. I just saw on X as we were coming back in, Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, has indicated to Governor Abbott that the House of Representatives will back him all the way. They will back him all the way. And this is uh, what's going on in Texas right now is Civil War 2.0, the cold version. You see, you see all these Democrats getting out there saying, you got to federalize the Texas National Guard. Well, go ahead. Have at that. It'll make the Bundy Ranch thing look like, I don't know, like a garden party. <laughs> Texas is one of those states that, you know, you just don't. Uh, that, that's not somewhere you want to go. It'll be out there on parade. Then once you do that, what are you going to do with it once you do it? Are you going to force them to open the border? And let in the illegals. We have to open the border so the illegals can get in. While you're at it, are you going to confiscate all their buses so they can't send anybody to New York or Martha's Vineyard or Chicago or L.A.? You're going to do that too? Well, how far are you going to go? You mummified meat puppet. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, uh, we are in fact existing without rule of law and we at the same time they're trying to force this agenda 2030 when we get back there's this uh this thing about some of these uh rampage killers that is beginning to take focus i found it very interesting this is news talk 98.9 word
We will never see the likes of that band again. Van Halen with David Lee Roth. I liked I liked I liked Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar is okay, but Van Halen, the Van Halen sound was David Lee Roth. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Um I get a kick out of the uh, legacy fake stream media getting out there and wanting to hide certain things when it comes to some of these rampage killings. Right now, there has been, and it, you know, didn't get a lot of news because of all the because of the law enforcement angle where they completely fumbled that ball. But there's a lot of evidence that the Uvalde killer was uh, one of these trans confused individuals, and they avoided reporting on that aspect of the attack. Audrey Hale in Nashville. She was a trans-confused individual. The uh, probable trans-confused sh uh, shooter that killed one and wounded five in Perry, Iowa. He also committed suicide. So let me ask a question on this. And maybe I'm just way too uh, apolitical when it comes to this stuff. When these sorts of crimes happen, right? When these sorts of crimes happen and we have innocent people killed, right? Adult, children, I don't care. I look at those of you that are non-combatants that have never been in a combatant role or anything like that before. Um, I understand the shock that when, you know, I, I can fully understand the shock of being introduced to one of these incidents and how you're just so uh, totally unprepared for it. I get it. Not everybody is cut out to be certain things. But. Shouldn't we be protecting these people somehow, some way? And isn't protecting these people, one of the ways we do it is we take a look at the crime and we do an after-action review of what just happened and we try to figure out why and how this happened this way. Now, I don't... When, when one of these, when, when Audrey Hale did this, when the Uvalde killer did this, when this guy in Iowa did this, when the guy at the bank in Louisville did this, all these people that do this stuff, I don't look at them and say, oh, well, I got you because that's one of your people. That's one of, that's one of your protective, protected individuals. Uh, that really doesn't matter to me. I'm against violence, okay? Violence is a tool that if it's used judiciously can achieve an end. It should never be a means to force somebody to do something they don't want to do. The judicious use of violence almost invariably runs up against somebody doing violence to a innocent person. Almost invariably runs up against that. So why then? Why aren't they seizing on these the way they do the other ones? where they think it's a, a Republican that uh, gave to Donald Trump's campaign and was wearing a MAGA hat and has an NRA sticker on his truck. Uh, if they think that's the guy, well, then they're all over it, and it's all about the guns. It's all about the guns. But, you know, when it's the same sort of attack, but it's one of the protected classes that the left is ID politicized and put into their own little tribe, if you will, fragmented off of society, then those get buried and this tells me how unserious they are about actually stopping these kinds of things. Now, one thing that's just never going to happen, and this is not me being intolerant, this is just me being logical. I'm never going to accept that there's such a thing as transgender. Never. These are not noble, exalted examples of humanity. 
They're not some higher, more intelligent form of human life. They're not in touch some way mystically with any sort of evolved consciousness. They are simply confused. And you can't have, you know, you can't have those things I just mentioned. If we were to get out there and everybody were to universally think that these sufferers are mentally unstable and they're prone to suicide and hatred and violence. And they're prone to that because of the media. I mean, the other day, the FBI caught a trans, you know, a trans-confused person that wanted to be a rampage killer, too. Caught them before they killed anybody. I'm stunned that that actually happened. This person wanted to mass murder transphobes, but they didn't swiftly nab him until they found out later that he was, uh, that the indigenous suspect, a self-described <clears throat> Nazi dominatrix, was posting racist, anti-Semitic content on social media, vilifying blacks, Jews, and immigrants. I've seen a picture of this Yahoo, too. <sighs> but, you know, and, and this uh, particular individual was going by the name Elizabeth West. Claimed he was being bullied by transphobic blanks at work at the end of his rope and left with no alternative. And he indicated he intended to go out in a blaze of glory. He wrote, well, I wish I had better news to tell you. But what I'm writing to you right now is the fact that I'm at the end of my rope. I'm probably going to be get fired from his, this job. I'm supposed to be called into the office this morning, so I wonder what lies are going to spew in order to justify firing me. I'm too old to keep looking for jobs, and I've just had it up to here being bullied by transphobic blanks. I am left with no alternative. I'll probably have to go out in a blaze of glory. I've been preparing for this moment a long time. At least then I'll be remembered. I, you know, I have no family, no friends. So there really isn't any point living anymore. I'm just going to have to do what I have to do and pray for the gods to forgive me. This was on the Facebook group Trans Woman Support Group. And the FBI actually intercepted this and intercepted this individual. I'm stunned. If you Google trans shooters, you'll get majority of U.S. mass shooters are cis men, not transgender. Fact focus. No incredible rise in transgender shooters. Musk, Trump Jr., far-right figure, sees on Iowa shooters. How many mass shootings have been carried out by? Fact check. Majority of U.S. mass shooters are cis men. This is defensive journalism at its best. Which is not journalism, by the way. It's not journalism. I have said many times, like when I talk about carrying a gun, if I found credible evidence that the guns used the voices to talk to me, to make me do evil things, I'd throw it away right now. Right? I'm completely... I, I have no opinion one way or the other, up or down, about how good or bad these things are. Uh, in the same vein that I don't get out there and say, that's a really good claw hammer. So. I've decided that if I ever become a hitman, I'm going to California because I saw something the other day that makes me think I'd probably get away with it, even if they catch me. That when we get back, this is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
We've all had one of those moments, haven't we? Where we've lost control. Probably not been too happy about it. They uh, codified that in uh, California when they passed Proposition 47, which took a lot of crimes that were felonies and turned them into misdemeanors. And then when you have people like George Gascon and, uh, and uh, what was that guy's name, Bodine up in, uh, Chase of Bodine in San Francisco, that with Prop 47, that meant a whole lot of crime categories became just uh, sort of, uh, you know, issues. Which takes us to Bryn Spacer, 33 years old. She uh, got a hold of uh, her, her, her boyfriend, let her take a hit on the bong on marijuana in 2018. And uh, I'm being asked on the text line, what is a cis man? I really don't know. That, I, guess, I guess we're the, let's just say we're not confused. I'm a cis man. Anyway, I'm not confused. Anyway, though, uh, Bren, she got out there and she stabbed her boyfriend after he allowed her to hit his bong a couple of times, 108 times. Then she stabbed her dog. Then she stabbed herself. And she gets no jail time at all. Because defense experts have deemed that she experienced cannabis-induced psychosis. <laughs> she had reefer madness. And the judge agreed with it. This is guano crazy right here. Bat guano crazy. She was sentenced to just two years of probation and 100 hours of community service. No prison time. And we get this. Despite ingesting a single toke of a standard pot leaf, she was launched into an extended rage, st stabbing her 26-year-old accountant boyfriend 108 times. Lawyer for Spacer and audiologist... What, what is it? Maestro, what is an audiologist? Aren't you an audiologist or are you just a engineer? What, what, what is an audiologist? Do you know? An audiologist is somebody that uh, studies like ears. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, the only I'm reason all... I know that is just because I had to go to one yesterday. Okay. Well, yeah. this, is why, this is why Maestro and I work together because he has this, he has this pin chant for going to the right place on the right time so I can ask him a question <laughs> the next day and we know exactly what it is. Right, right. She was an audiologist. She, she, she said she wasn't responsible for accidentally stabbing her boyfriend 108 times because of her intoxicated state. See, if I ever become a hitman, see, California has this thing called micro-stamping, where supposedly uh, you have a, on, on the firing pin of, uh, of any pistol, when it hits the primer, it, it does a little... Uh, embossing, if you will, on impact of a serial number that identifies uh, who that gun belongs to, the micro-stamping. It's, it's straight out of Judge Dredd. And what I plan to do is if I ever become a hitman, I'm going to go to the outdoor gun ranges and pick up a bunch of brass casings of a bunch of different calibers. And then if I have to go you know, do a hit, when I get done, I'm going to scatter all those casings around and just thoroughly confuse the cops when they get there. They're not going to know who killed him. <laughs> um, she was initially charged with manslaughter before a new DA downgraded the rap to involuntary manslaughter how do you stab somebody 108 times under any state of mind and somebody says it's involuntary isn't that like the same thing as saying it's accidental 
I was running with the scissors, Mom. I stabbed myself. That's involuntary. So not only is California a state of insanity, a, a sanctuary state, they're also a no-consequences state. And this is why there's in such a decline. See, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Text line, on the text line. Uh, in my younger days, I smoked pot, and there was not one time did it cause a rage. If anything, it caused rage to go away. When you have a traffic accident, when you're smoking dope, nothing gets hurt because you're only doing about two miles an hour. Everything sort of slows down. It's not one of those things that'll get out there and, uh, you know, I've I've been, uh, you know what? I'm I'm not going any deeper than this. <laughs> not going any deeper than this. But that is that's a bunch of nonsense. I could see it if she got drunk. People do all kinds of things. Alcohol is a much worse drug than marijuana is. All of these things are not good for you, though. They're not good for you. My understanding is that with smoking marijuana that it does worse damage to your lungs than cigarettes does. And since I can't really smoke anything, somebody the other day, Chuck Porter, uh, used to be a host here. Uh, we were talking and he offered me a cigar and I was like, I can't smoke it. I would love to have it, but I can't smoke it. So, yeah, California, a state with no consequences, 108 times involuntary manslaughter, no jail time. I will, uh, I'll be talking to you guys tomorrow. I'm sure some more other stuff will come up there. Like, I didn't get to this part where, uh, and, you know, uh, Chad Copey, he sort of touched on it. They're trying to get uh, the wealthy people to uh, take people into their homes in Chicago. That's pretty funny. I, I kind of think that's a violation of the Third Amendment, though. Oh, on the text line, they're telling me the, the only way it could be you, you get prison time if you stab somebody 110 times. Yeah, there you go. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.